And I want to give a very warm welcome. And I'm going to do it in the language of my heart. Asquilgan Irish for Cade Milafalcha, Stigon Shot on Madden. You are so welcome in here this morning. If you're here for the first time, really we appreciate it. If you're watching online for the first time, and you're very welcome also on YouTube and podcast, let's give them one more round of applause and show our joy. We love having new people here. Praise God. So welcome everyone in the atrium upstairs in the overflow as well. I'm going to dive straight in because we have a wonderful busy hour ahead of us. But I'm going to talk this morning about what I call five myths about Christianity. What's a myth? It's something that's not true. It's a confusion at best or it's a lie at worst. And there are five myths that I have subjectively chosen to look at today because this is what I've been hearing for years and it has changed over the years but I'm going to work from five up to one in accordance with how often I hear it. Um, but as I begin I just want to say we had our international feast here last week. What a blessing! So much food from all over the world. Can we give a round of applause to everyone who came and gave? Thank you so much. What a blessing. It was such a statement after a full year, if you count them all up. Over the two years, we had two, one full year of lockdown. Praise God, we're back to normal. Amen. Amen. These myths about Christianity, when I say Christianity, I'm talking about Bible-believing Christianity. Um, because a lot of people when they hear the word Christian they think of all types of things so I'm looking at people and individuals who really follow the Bible with the greatest of respect a lot of older denominations follow a bit of the Bible and lots of other things as well like tradition but for those of us that I'm talking about today it's all about the Bible. This is our source, our love letter from God himself. Amen? Amen? And this is what I mean by Christianity. So, let's pray. Holy Spirit, your word would come alive. Lord, let anything from you take root in our hearts and minds. And whatever's just of me, let it soon be forgotten. Come Holy Spirit, I declare life today. I declare salvation today. I declare freedom today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here is myth five. And this is what I've experienced. Christianity is so boring. Has anyone ever heard that said to them? Okay, put up your hand if you yeah, yeah, loads of hands going. It's so boring, baby. Here's why it's so important. I tell you why. Because when you say Christian, or when you say church to your average Irish person, they're not thinking about in here at all, really. This is not what they think about. When we say church, we think church. And when they hear church, they think church. When you say Christian, they think Christian. It's a whole different concept. Your average Irish person will go perhaps, again with the greatest of respect, to Mass. Maybe the last time they were at church they were at a funeral or something. So they have no concept of a church like this. 
And today, sitting near you, are people who've come in here for the first time, who have never in all their lives been at anything like this. Respect. Respect. So, when people say it's so boring, of course, that is a myth. It is not boring, either in the Bible or in our lives today. Look what Jesus Christ said, John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came that you may have and live it more abundantly. So we have eternal life when we are born again because heaven is our home. When God will judge us, and he will, he won't see your sin or my sin. He'll see the blood of Jesus. So we won't go to hell. And don't let anyone tell you there's not a hell. There is. Jesus mentioned hell more than he mentioned heaven. But if you love God, heaven is your future. Hallelujah. And if you've never asked the Lord into your life, you can do it today. And heaven can be your future too. And live it more abundantly. That means we have a full-on experience of God's blessing in our lives today. Because He is the God who gives peace. And He is the God who gives a joy that is beyond circumstance. And He is a God who heals. He heals broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts, broken souls. Whoever said Christianity is boring really doesn't know. So invite them to taste and see that the Lord is I can't hear you how about the people watching online is there any men in the church brothers what is he God is women 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 full of testosterone hallelujah abundant life look at this is one of a thousand verses I could put up Acts 516 crowds gathered from towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those troubled with demons and all of them were healed healed they were healed and this is after Jesus had ascended into heaven this is the early church this is the New Testament expression of Christianity and you know what the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, forever, tomorrow, amen, amen, tomorrow too. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So the works and the gifts of God are irrevocable. What happened in the New Testament is happening today. Hallelujah. So when people are healed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we have seen people delivered of demons. We have seen people with addictions broken in the name of Jesus. We have seen people who are suicidal with a joy in their life and they're in here today rejoicing. Hallelujah. So don't tell me Christianity is boring. It's not true. Would anyone say amen? amen. Next myth, and this is important that it's not misunderstood, but because, for example, in this church, 50% of us were born here, we're from here, 50% have moved, as we've heard, praise God, from other countries. But what you will hear, and particularly I hear it when people kind of talk to me because they know I'm local, and they'll say something like this. 
your faith though is a foreign faith. It's not really for Irish people. And it is so insidious. And it is so dangerous. And you can see how the devil will try and put a barricade against your neighbor, your loved one, your, your workmate. Because they think, well, this is for people who aren't Irish. And this is so false. You know, I was at, uh, oh, Michael's in his shorts. <laughs> in the church, I know. Do you know what? If you think this is irreverent, this is how Irish culture functions. You want to see irreverent? <laughs> anyway, let me tell you a story. We had the International Feast last week. It was fantastic. A couple of years earlier at the International Feast, a good friend of mine from the Netherlands, from Holland, bought some Dutch food, and he had raw herring and raw onion. And everyone was kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm, walking away from it. And he said, Dom, Dom, you need to try this. I said, you're grand, really. He said, no, no, you need to try it. So I went and I ate it. And honestly, I had never tasted anything so fantastic. I loved, personally anyway, the taste. And I then said, I need to buy some raw herring. Do you think you can get raw herring in Centra? No, you can't. Couldn't find raw herring anywhere. The only place I could get it was in the Polish food shop nearby. But you know what? I'd never been in a Polish food shop. And I remember standing outside the door going, gosh, will I go in? It's, it's, it's a Polish shop, you know? For Polish people. I, I, anyway, I said, Ira, I'll go in. Now, and I'm not kind of a wilting wallflower. I don't struggle from a lack of confidence. God forgive me, I don't. But, but I was kind of taking a, a little thought, you know. And I'm saying this because I'm talking about Irish people who think they can't come into a church like this. Someone you're connected with. And so I went into the Polish shop. And I remember there was a, a customer, a lady went in as I was going in. She said, oh, what's going on? And I went, <laughs> I remember going down to look for the herring and I thought I saw it down in the very, it would be at the very back of the shop, of course. And I went down and there was this guy with muscles on his muscles. And he was, he was filling all the shells, you know, Mr. Macho Man. And he was kind of uh, put, putting all the, the fish in. And he turned to me and he said, Koshkabo Shedosh And I went, <laughs> Finally, the girl on the checkout said, what, 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 to me, forgive me Polish people, I can't speak your language. And I said, I'm really sorry, I'm Irish. <laughs> I can't speak any Polish. And her and Mr. Muscleman gave each other a quick look and went, what's he doing in here? Huh? What's, what's it? And you know, I always take that experience because that's the fear a lot of Irish people have of going into a church that kind of they didn't grow up with isn't in their culture. I remember one guy came in here and he said, you know, a church like this is a lot more common in America or Brazil or Nigeria or South Africa or Australia, but you don't see a lot of churches like this in Ireland. And it's such um, 
a trick and an evil ploy of the devil to keep Irish people away from churches like this. Irish people aren't more important than anyone else. Amen? Amen. We're all equal in God's sight. But we are called to reach, what are we? I think Ireland is about 20% international and 80% Irish, we're called to reach the 80% as well as the 20%. Amen? Amen? So, what does the Bible say? Well, let's look at history because it tells us a lot. Who is Ireland's national hero? I'll give you a hint. On March the 17th, we celebrate him. Who said Mary? <laughs> Who do we celebrate? St. Patrick. Now, you might think he's just a make-up person. He's an actual human being who left writings that are verified, and one of his main documents is called his confession. It's his declaration of faith. Look what he wrote about himself. The Lord opened the understanding of my unbelieving heart so that I should turn from my sins. What is that? That is conversion. That is born again. He had an encounter with God as a teenager. Like, and we've got a whole bunch of teenagers as well getting baptized today. And his life and outlook was turned around. He would have come from a Christian family. His grandfather was a pastor. His dad was a deacon in the church. But he came to Ireland where there was no Christianity. And he became a Christian. And then he came and bought the gospel. So if you were to pick any character from history in Ireland, other than maybe Eamon de Valera or something, and he doesn't really count, you would say, of all people, this guy knew what it was to be born again. And of course, he ushered in over 700 years of what we call Celtic Christianity. And up and down this land, remember, there was no written Bible anywhere in the world except in Ireland. Hallelujah. It was the kept written copies of it here. And missionaries were sent out to almost every nation in Europe with the gospel. It came from the Celtic Christian Church, which didn't really answer to Rome. They had their own expression. And while they did one or two things we mightn't do today, they are the nearest, we are the nearest thing to what was happening in those 700 years. This is the original Christian faith in Ireland. Roman Catholicism came into Ireland, it was the English invasion in the 12th century that brought Roman Catholicism in. Up to that point, we had Celtic Christianity. So, if you're going to look at it and you're going to say, well... Which one is more Irish, a church that's like the original Christianity or a church with a leader, and I say it with respect, a leader in another country and a hierarchy that answers there and came in with the English invasion in the 12th century. You know, it, it doesn't take an awful lot of um, intelligence to work it out. And when you think of all of the heroes of the Celtic Christian church, Cuivine in Irish, Kevin, Columba, Fionn Barra here from Cork, Finbar, Godnet, Bridget, Declan, and many more. If you read their lives, you'll read of people who will say, Once I was lost, and now I am found. Once I was blind, and now I can see. Hallelujah. Amen. This 
is the heritage of Christianity. When Ireland was known as the island of saints and scholars, with the word of God shining into the darkness of the dark ages it was known as, when Christianity all but disappeared throughout the known world then in Europe, it shone here. And we are blessed because of it. Hallelujah. So you want to say, is it Irish? Absolutely. We're all nationalities. Our faith is the fastest growing faith in Ireland. Hallelujah. Amen. And our faith is the fastest growing faith around the world by conversion. Praise God. People are becoming Christians on every continent on planet Earth. There are more born-again Christians living today than all through the past put together. Something is happening. Praise God. And look what it says in Revelation 7-9. John speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking through him. I saw a great multitude gathered before the Lamb from every nation, tribe, and tongue. This is speaking of the end of the age. So we will have every nation. And that includes Ireland. And that includes your workmate. And that includes your neighbor. And that includes your family member. That includes everyone. Hallelujah. So don't let anyone tell you this church is not just, it's not for Irish. Oh yes it is. It is for all of us. And if anyone thinks I'm not Irish, I'll go toe to toe with you any day. Amen. Myth number three, Christianity is anti-woman. And this also is untrue. And I can see why one or two people think it, because there's two verses taken out of context of the Bible, and it really doesn't take it in its cultural or even in its scriptural context. What does the Bible say? Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all equal in Christ. No, it doesn't mean if you were from back then, a Jewish background or a Greek background, you didn't have a different understanding or culture. Of course you did. Um, and it's just like male and female. We may think differently, but in God's eyes, we're equal. Hallelujah. Amen. And women are not subordinate, not in the Christian faith. It goes on and we can see, let's have a very brief look. In Acts chapter 2, right at the birth of the Christian church, men and women were prophesying in the church. They were prophesying, there was prophetic preaching and teaching. Men and women were active right from the beginning of the Christian church. Acts 21.9, Philip's four daughters were vocal in the church. We don't see women silenced in the church, they were vocal in the church. The very first witness who saw the risen Savior was Mary Magdalene, and she was um, a woman. And remember, legally back then, a woman's testimony in a legal court of law was a lot less than a man's. Jesus was making a statement by appearing to Mary first before any of the men. And I don't have time to talk about Miriam, Deborah, Huldah in the Old Testament, Elizabeth, Anna, and so many others in the New Testament. Where it goes wrong is there are two single verses. Let me just explain one. One verse says, taken out of context, women, be silent in the church. What they don't take into consideration is that the early Christian church was evolving out of the Jewish Faith, the Jewish synagogue and if you go even into a Jewish synagogue today it's not a kind of an organized gathering like 
most Christian churches have. People kind of pray away themselves, read the scriptures themselves, the women sit in one section. And what was happening in the very early Christian church is the women who weren't educated and couldn't read, the men usually could, when someone shared something from the Bible, the women or the wives actually were shouting out in the meeting, what does he mean there? What's that about? And Paul says, if you read the full text, Women be silent, married women, only to married women, be silent in the church, ask your husbands at home. So he wasn't saying women be silent in the church, he was speaking into a cultural situation. Nobody ever who's anti-woman ever goes on and reads the rest of the verse. So verses are taken out of context. So to 50% of the population in Ireland, I declare women are equal in this church. Would anyone say hallelujah? Don't let anyone say women can't be in leadership or women can't preach from the word. I'll tell you something. If it wasn't for women, an awful lot of churches wouldn't even be open. Praise God. If it wasn't for so many mothers, a lot of hairy fellas wouldn't be Christians. I mean, I could go on and on. So don't let, you know, I, I, a pastor I really admire years ago said to me, if Satan was trying to think up of a lie to keep half the church ineffective, to shut their mouth and keep them ineffective. How about this one? So it is so insidious as well. I know some people may do it with, uh, out of a good motive, but here we want to follow all the Bible, not just part of it. Amen. Here we're getting into the really big ones. I hear this a lot. Myth two. Christianity takes away your freedom. I'm free, baby. Yeah, I'm free. You know, there was a song years and years ago, um, a real cheesy song, Glen Campbell. Anyone remember him? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you're all over 15. <laughs> but anyway, he had a song and it was gentle on my mind. And it was all about his wife when he was traveling around. It was gentle on my mind because he was having sex with her and her and her and her and her. And his wife was gentle on my mind. So he was free until he got AIDS and then he died. <laughs> he was really free. Does Christianity take away your freedom? No, this is a myth. We were driving into church this morning. It's lashing rain. If you're watching from California right now, it's really wet here. So it was lashing raining. And you know what? The amount of fellas I saw out jogging and running in the lashing rain along the road. Why? Because they choose. Most of them are playing hurling the local game here, and they're practicing. They choose to keep fit so that they will be fit enough for the matches. This is their choice. You could say to them, sports takes away your freedom. Because you're not free to just stay in bed and then just eat junk all day on the, on the sofa watching the telly. No, they're making a choice. This, this uh, myth, that Christianity takes your freedom is ridiculous. You've heard me say it before, but you walk down the street out there on a Saturday or a Friday night, and you'll see people vomiting and urinating and defecating. Michael and I often, before anyone comes here, we clean up the poo and the wheeze and the vomit in our porches from people who are free. And their lives are destroyed and their heads and their bodies are destroyed from alcohol and from drugs and from a so-called free life. 
What does the Bible say about freedom? Look at even in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 13:19. I give you the choice between life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life for you and for your children. You see, faith is a choice. Chasing money all your life is a choice. Chasing women all your life is a choice. Chasing ego, chasing substances, chasing depression and suicidal thoughts. We all make choices. But we in here, and people like us all over the city, all over Ireland, all over the world, we choose life. Hallelujah. So yes, we will say no to some things. Why? Because it's good for us. Yeah? I'm not so sure. He is a God of yes. We choose the better things, even though we may say no to some things. It goes on. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer subject to a yoke of slavery. You choose who you serve. Bob Dylan, my old uh, troubadour that I used to listen to and still do, he said in one of his songs, everyone has to serve someone. You've got a master. You can serve the devil or you can serve the Lord. You can. I don't believe in the devil. That's grand, but you're probably serving him if you're not following the Lord. You're chasing something. You're chasing something. How about chasing life? Hallelujah. And that's what we're choosing. So we are set free from a yoke of slavery. You will know the truth and say it out there. Truth will set you free. Okay, we could do that with a bit more enthusiasm, okay? It's truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Praise God. John 8:32. And when we gather together as believers, we're told. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise God. Clock is against me. Let me go to number one. This is the one I hear the most. And Pastor Michael, can I be honest with you, you right now? I'm just going to be a little bit silly here again. Do you know why I'm, I'm doing an American accent? Apologies to all Americans here. Maybe I watch too many American shows or something in my youth. I don't know. I never saw them. Never. Okay. Myth number one. Jesus was just a good man. Or if they're really generous to you as a Christian, they might say, mm, he was a, a healing prophet. Yes, yes, I'll give you that. We're not allowed to sit on the fence about Jesus. Nobody is. You can reject him. That is totally your choice. But you cannot say he was just a good man. You cannot say he was just a prophet. You see, right at the beginning of time, Genesis 1.26, in the beginning God said, let us make man in our image. So God made the male and female in his likeness. The theological term here is Godhead. That's the Trinity. God was triune. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The 20 of you getting baptized in about a quarter of an hour, you are going to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God was triune. And the second person in the Trinity who took on human flesh, Jesus, he existed before that. He's known in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. 
called a Christophany is the theological term. So right from the beginning of time, Jesus was there. So don't say he's just a good man. Jesus Christ is God. Hallelujah. He goes on and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're new here, or if you're fairly new here, you cannot reduce Jesus to the good man box. That's known as reductionism. You can't because he doesn't give us the option. You either say Jesus Christ was the biggest liar and gangster ever. He was a con man or what he says is true. I give you three guesses as to which one I believe. <laughs> Jesus doesn't allow us to go down the good man route. So this is a myth. And it's one we want to say here today, you either believe in him or you don't, but you can't just sop it off and say he's a good man. Because we know Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe that? Yes. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Last scripture verses, the band come up. If you confess with your mouth or you declare it that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Salvation is a gift and it's for you. If you're new, if you've never known that salvation, he's only a prayer away. Look, I'm doing this 42 years. I've given, we have given our whole lives to this. Not for money, because you don't make money from it. Not to be popular, because you don't get popular. Not to have an ego, because it's the opposite. You get a lot of bashing. But we do it because we know it's true. And one day, we'll stand before God. With all my heart, I want him to hear him say to me, and I hope to you, well done, good, faithful servant. So if you think I'm saying this to get your money, I have no interest in your money. If you think I want to control your life, I can just about control my own. Honestly, I don't want to control your life. I'm saying it because with all my heart, humbly I submit to you, I believe it. He is the one who heals your heart. He's the one who sets us free. So this can be your choice today. We're just going to sing can we throw it up? This is called I Believe. Look at the, look at the words. We're going to declare it, just like we read in the Bible. We believe in God the Father, maker of the universe, and in Christ his Son, our Savior, come to us by virgin birth. We believe he died to save us, bore our sins that was crucified. Then from death he rose victorious, ascended to the Father's side. We believe he sends his spirit on his church with gifts of power. God is word of truth affirming sends us to the nations now. He will come again in glory, hallelujah. Judge the living and the dead. Every knee will bow before him. Then must every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the name above all names. 